Every morning when I greet the sun, when I move forth through crowded ways, in my heart, Lord, ever so silently, I will always think of Thee. In my heart, Lord, ever so silently, I will always think of Thee. When I laugh, oh, and when I cry with pain, when my best friends misunderstand, in my heart, Lord, ever so silently, I will always think of Thee. In my heart, Lord, ever so silently, I will always think of Thee. expanding light and especially to all those who just graduated from the meditation teacher training wonderful and uh, welcome to everyone watching on the internet also my name is Nayaswami Mantradevi and this is Nayaswami Nirmala I'll read from rays from this of the one light and this morning the topic is we are children of the light Truth is one and eternal. Realize oneness with it in your deathless self within. The following commentary is based on the teachings of Paramahansa Yogananda. 
It is common for people to perceive themselves according to their present realities. A person is of in ill health says, I am ill. Few say, I am well, it is my body that is suffering. People in a low income bracket say, I am poor. Only the unusual person will say, though outwardly I live in poverty, inwardly I am wealthy. Thus, when it comes to moral and spiritual development, people commonly identify themselves with their weaknesses and their mistakes. They consider it almost a sign of humility to say, I am a sinner. Though in effect, what this means is that they identify themselves with their sinfulness, not with the soul's power to transcend all limitations in God. The great masters, including Jesus Christ, have always emphasized the divine potential of mankind. To encourage us, they address us as children of the light, not of darkness. The Bible in the Gospel of St. John, chapter 3, makes the point that our true home is not the mud of this earth, but the light of heaven. No man hath ascended up to heaven, it tells us, but him that came down from heaven. This passage continues, Even so, the Son of Man who is in heaven, emphasizing that Jesus, though he lived on earth, is perceived by the eye of wisdom as conscious, even in human form, of his true reality in heavenly spheres. The way to know God is to live in godly consciousness and not to bewail our imperfection and our distance from God. Jesus said, Blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God. And the Bhagavad Gita states, Seekers of union with the Lord find him dwelling in their own hearts. But those who, lacking in wisdom, seek him with impure motives, cannot perceive him, however much they struggle to do so. If you want to know God, Paramahansa Yogananda said, live in the thought that you have him already. Thus, through the Holy Scripture, God has spoken to mankind. from Whispers from Eternity. Can I have it over here? Thank you. Teach me, O Spirit, by meditation to stop the storm of breath, mental restlessness, and sensory disturbances raging on the lake of my mind. Let the magic wand of my intuition stop the gale of passions and unnecessary desires. And in the ripple, rippleless lake of my mind, let me behold the undistorted reflection, the moon of my soul glistening with the light of thy presence. If we want to know God, we have to live in that consciousness that we have him already. 
I had a, a very inspiring experience recently when I learned the details of a friend of mine who passed away just a, a year or so ago. And he was an Indian man. In fact, he was one of uh, Swami's Kriya disciples in 1959. And so when he heard that Swami was back in India in 2003, he was thrilled and um, was very humble. He took all the meditation classes from Meditation 1 all the way through Kriya Prep and took Kriya again. He came to everything. And he became a Naya Swami when that order started. He was a very strong person. He was big and tall. It was Mr. Beige. (laughs) You remember. And uh, very tall and strong. Didn't have very many teeth left. Always dressed in Indian clothes. He didn't... uh, do the Western clothing that many Indian men do. He was uh, very sweet. And right before we had met him in 2003, he had lost his wife. His children were all grown up. He lived by himself. We visited his home, and he was very simple, lived very simply. He went against the normal tradition, the cultural tradition of India, and he would hug people. (laughs) And when you got a hug from him, it practically took your breath away. He was so strong. Just to give these big bear hugs, his voice was big and booming. And during chanting, even if no one else was clapping, he would clap. Just these big, loud claps. And... As I say, he was very humble, and he had studied the Gita his whole life, and he liked to write his thoughts about the Gita. And he would write in pencil, in longhand, on little notebook paper, and he would bring me these pieces of paper and say, would you read these and make sure that I didn't make any mistakes? And I was always so touched that he would want me to read this and check his homework. (laughs) It's just so sweet. Well, we saw him about a week before he passed away. And we didn't actually say anything about it, but I think we felt that it was the last time we would see him in this lifetime. And just a few days later, he got a fever And in India, people get fevers all the time. It's not a very uh, uncommon thing. Usually it doesn't amount to anything. But this one took his life. So he was home resting. And at a certain point, he knew he was about to leave his body. And so he picked up his cell phone. And he called his children who lived around him. And he said, come to my bedside, I'm about to leave my body. So they rushed to him, and he was lying on his bed, and he said, now the energy is starting to withdraw into my spine. 
You can feel my feet and my hands. They're getting cold. The energy is left. Now soon, the energy is moving up my legs and into my torso. See, my legs are becoming cold. The energy is moving up my spine, past my heart. Soon it will pass through my throat and I won't be able to speak to you anymore. So, goodbye and God bless you. And it happened just as he was saying and they could see that his life and consciousness was still there in his eyes until the energy went out the top of his head and then his eyes glazed over. What a perfectly beautiful way to live and to die. I, Because I loved him so much and I knew that he loved us too, it was such a gift to learn that he had left his body in this way because I thought, he's my friend. He's not some great sage and saint and unapproachable being. He's my dear, dear friend, and he was able to do that. Maybe I can do that too. We have many beautiful stories here at Ananda of devotees who have left their bodies in beautiful ways. And there's a lot of saintliness here, a lot of living in spirit and passing in spirit. And we need to understand that no moment of our lives should be wasted because we have to pass that final exam, death. We do have to move through that state. And how will we do? How will we do? I'm Speaking of exams, I'm reminded of taking my SAT exam when I was in high school. And... Uh, Let's just say math was not my favorite subject. Um, I think it was because I had the scariest teacher that has ever taught math. And I was completely terrified for every moment in her class. And I just sort of froze around the subject of algebra. Geometry, I had a different teacher, and I actually got an A in geometry. When she asked me, she asked the class to make a design out of geometric symbols, and I could do that. (laughs) But when I sat for my SAT exam, I remember being terrified and then sitting down with my pencil, looking through all the pages, and it was hopeless. I had nothing to offer. I might as well just break my pencil, run away. And I think because I was so desperate, there was no hesitation, there were no limitations, there was no um, blockage of energy. I just said, Lord, you have to help me. There's nothing, I can't get through this unless you help me. And... That's the beautiful thing about God. He's always there. You don't have to make an appointment, you know, try to fit him into the schedule, try to, you know, make time to see him. Any time that you want to say, 
God, come to me. He's right there. He's always there, waiting, listening, watching, just eager to help. And so I just turned it all over to God in this exam. And I got very, very calm because I really gave it over to him. I was not a calm kid, so this was a miracle in itself. (laughs) And as I focused on each question, I just tried to think, well, what should be the answer? Fortunately, it was multiple choice. And um, I just thought, well, logically and intuitively, what should be the answer? I had plenty of time. I went through the whole thing. Then I went back through and checked it all again, made a couple of adjustments, and just completely gave it over to God. thought, I'm going to get zero on this, but that's okay. I did my best. God helped me. I was calm. It was a joy. We're done. Well, when we got the results back, the teacher announced that my grade was in the 99th percentile. I was the highest in school. (laughs) And when she said 99th percentile, I thought, oh my God, 99% of the people got better than I did. (laughs) And that makes sense. You know, I was in the 1% that was at the bottom. But that has always proven to me that God can help anybody (laughs) do anything. There is nothing that is beyond his scope. In fact, when we get into creative projects, it's such an advantage to think that no matter what subject we're involved in, God is an expert. He knows everything. And so if we draw on him, there's no limit to what we can do. If we want to live in that consciousness that we have God already, it's important that we see everything as coming from Him. All the good things, you know, it's easy to think, God found me this great apartment, or God is making the sunshine, and God is speaking to me through the birds. There's lots of poetic things we can get into, and that's, it's fine, it's not bad. But we also have to think that also all the bad things that come are also from Him. God is creating all the tests that we have in our lives, all the, the bad diagnosis, the divorce, the, the pain, the fear, all the suffering. He's doing all that too. He's giving us that. But if we see that it is a gift, then we can glean the truth out of everything that happens. Master said, this world is a nest of troubles. But if you have God, it becomes a nest of fun. (laughs) And truly, some of the, the biggest tests in our lives when we look back on them we see that we learned all sorts of very useful and wonderful things, and we couldn't have learned them in any other way 
It was the perfect thing. So God really gave us exactly what we needed because he loves us. Master had a vision of the Divine Mother once and she said to him, dance of life and dance of death. Know that both come from me and rejoice. Rejoice, my child. And that's how we need to live in this world, to feel that everything is from God's loving hand. There was a a story that Hano used to tell. Hano Cassidy was the man who started the organic gardens here at Ananda. And he had led a very colorful life and had had many careers. And one of them was as a high-level fashion photographer in New York City. I think he worked for Vogue magazine. I'm not sure, but he was way up there. And sometimes in his work, he would need a child to be a fashion model, you know, to be on the set with the real models. And so he would bring in his little daughter, Sylvia. She was four or five, maybe nine, ten, you know, as the years went by. And he was working with her sometimes. And he said it was so charming because here was this high-powered scene where all these big egos are, you know, doing their thing and doing the sets and making sure the lighting is just right and setting up all the cameras and people running around getting the props and dressing these famous models and getting their hair done and everything just so. And, of course, in all this glamour and all this commotion, they were also fixing up Sylvia and curling her hair and dressing her and all of that. But the beautiful part was that Sylvia was very self-possessed. She was very centered, very in her spine. She would just let these people fuss all over her. And then she would walk straight to Hanel and she would say, Daddy, what would you like me to do? And that's how we need to live in this world. Let all the commotion go and swirl around us, it doesn't matter. Live in that center and keep asking, God, what would you like me to do? How would you like me to serve here? What should I give there? What should I say? What should I do? How should I be? He is our Father, our Mother, the one who truly knows us. It's interesting, I'm thinking of a line that someone told me about recently. You know, we're not who other people think we are. We're not even really who we think we are. We are spirit. And so this line was, your opinion of me is none of my business. (laughs) I think that's a great line. So... We have to just be free in ourselves. Turn over our lives to God. 
Just like in the purification ceremony this morning, the Master says, open your heart to me and I will enter and take charge of your life. That's where the freedom comes. Swamiji once was in, uh, this was many years ago, he was in the Kolkata airport and the people who were supposed to pick him up at the airport didn't show up. And the place was mobbed. He found out later there were no rooms anywhere in the city, no hotel rooms available. And instead of dashing to the phone or starting to make uh, inquiries, trying to get a taxi, doing all those things, he just stopped. He closed his eyes. And he said, Divine Mother, what do you have in mind? And in that moment, when he opened his eyes, there was a man standing in front of him. And the man said, what is your good name? And Swami said, I'm Swami Kriyananda. And the man said, Dr. Mishra showed me a picture of you, and I thought it must be you. And Swami said, well, Dr. Mishra, I've been wanting to meet him, but I didn't have his address, and I didn't have any way to contact him. And the man said, well... He's here in Calcutta, and I'm just about to go meet him, so why don't you come with me? (laughs) So they got to be together, very good friends, and that never could have happened if Swami had done the usual thing of just dashing off to try to fix the situation. Instead, he went inside, and he asked Divine Mother, and she had something totally different, totally better in mind. So let's resolve to give ourselves more and more completely to God, to trust in Him, to give Him our love and devotion, and to share every moment of our lives with Him. Oh